Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is first day of November as we record this at TigerIllustrated.com. Really looking forward to talking about Notre Dame this week as we uh, get through hump day and beyond. On the website right now, a really thoughtful and in-depth uh, piece from Paul Strelo and I on the topic of fans' expectations versus appreciation. Interesting and fascinating topic on a lot of levels, particularly right now with the team at 4-4. Four and four. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Arch and Hull, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stuck work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parham Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Okay, spent more than an hour talking to Mickey Plyler, and it took a long time for us to get down to talking about actual football. But some really worthwhile discussion here, I think, on fan behavior, on coach behavior, and how to process it all, and how to maybe move forward and just be better and nicer no matter who you are. Here we go. Enjoy. All right, joined by Mickey Plower, who is on his way home from Easley. Is that where the new station location is? Yes, Larry. You um, you came to our old location, which wasn't you know wasn't very good. You spent hours over there with us. Uh, I need you to come to the new one, man. We're proud of this place. It's really nice over here. Our, our owners and management team. We've got a we've got the best radio station I've ever seen. So come by soon. We'd love to have you. I guess we can speak about this now since the old station's gone. There was some weird smell. <laughs> was there something? Was there like a septic tank or something that would leak or something? It was so that's what I sort of part of what I remember. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we had there was a time there and it went on for like six weeks and they had we had these plumbers over there and and it's bad when you hear this the plumbers going, Buddy, I don't know. Like you but I I wanted to call him out and, and but I know nothing about plumbing, so I wanted to be like a fan and just call him out and go, No, this is what I would do. <laughs> But I need plumbing. So. <laughs> oh, and and uh, well, you talk about relief because that's one of those things. I grew up in a mill town, and the mill put out the paper mill had this awful smell to it. And I don't, you just didn't get used to it. And I lived there. We lived there for twelve years, and you never got used to it. And so for six weeks, I was kind of reminded of my childhood how bad it was. Wait a minute, Irma. Wait, West Columbia? What? No, 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 no. And I, I, I was born in Lancaster and lived in Chester. Okay. Uh, until I was 12, and, and there was a place called Bowwaters. Okay. And to the to that point that 
anytime any family member ever passed gas, you could always go, oh, man, boat waters is bad today. <laughs> well, when you well, said, well, when you said that, uh, when, when you said you grew up around a bad smell, uh, I was thinking, oh, did he grow up near the chicken plant in West Columbia? <laughs> no. Or Casey, now, is that Mike, Casey or West Columbia? What is that? Where the chicken yeah, thing? Yeah, uh, that's like, that's like powder's going easy. I don't know where it starts or where it ends. <laughs> uh, but we, we grew up playing Brooke and Casey through all those things. I'll tell you another quick story about chicken farms. My granddad was the state inspector for eggs. He would grow, He would be the guy who graded eggs in the state of South Carolina. So I grew up going to chicken farms, and that's another one that, like right now in my head, I can smell. I can Ooh. remember the smell. You know, like in my nostrils, I'm going, oh, so... Larry, that's a great start, man, to a good podcast. <laughs> chicken, we're talking about chickens, bad smells, uh, nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Four and four seasons, stinky seasons. Stinky. <laughs> 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 All right, so the past nine hours on your radio show, what has it been like? Well, let me back up even off air because I know, you know, we – we do on-air and off-air stuff. Uh, David Hood from TigerNet texted me Monday. So Monday, I got a great source who said that there were words on the team bus afterwards between a player and a coach. And I didn't know – I knew the player, but I didn't mention his name. But I didn't know if that's a full-time I mean, assistant coach on the field guy or sports staff. And I didn't mention too much of it. I just said, you know, locker room stuff goes on after losses. I said I was even reporting that – you know, that, that a player kind of snapped back at a coach after the game. And I get home, and, and I get this text from David Hood, and he said, did you say this? And it was a lady on a Clemson Facebook group page that said, did y'all listen to Mickey Potter today? He reported that there was a large brawl in the locker room between players and coaches. <laughs> and, and, and so I went on. I had to join the group and say no. And the lady said, well, the rumor mill has it. This is the case. I went, no, you're the rumor mill. You made this up. Didn't even come close to saying that. So Monday was about putting out that fire, and then well, Monday well, let, night. Let me, let me interrupt right quick. That that, right. Was, that was a great advertisement for TigerIllustrated.com and the paywall that weeds out <laughs> that weeds out a oh, lot yeah. of it. Not not all of it. Not all of it. It's not perfect on our circus of a message board, but it that weeds out some of that stuff. Anyway, go ahead. Well, but then you know those people are members that. Uh, all those other places, and they're going to these other places for information, too. And it's dangerous, man. That's, and you know this, your experience. You are as cautious. I, I am as cautious as anybody I know in this, in this field. But and one thing that someone cannot hear right or want to hear differently than how you said it, and then next thing you know, I used to get phone calls. <laughs> you and I have talked about this before. So when Reggie Herod, who's a friend and a great guy and a <laughs> great football coach, defense coordinator, and you know this, like, he would – fly off, man. He was Sonny Corleone, like, shoot first and ask right? <laughs> so, I can't tell you how many times that I'd get a phone call, right? And it'd be Reggie Heron, and he said, you know good SOB, I can't believe you said that about the radio this morning. You know that the stats we went 40% of the time, and you said 80 this morning, I can't believe you said that. Now, hold Reggie, hold on. Paul said that, Matt, and I said, no, that's not the case. And he goes, oh, man, I'm sorry, how you doing? Everything good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you get that from from administrators and coaches all the time. It's like, why did you say that on that message? Well, no, I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. So, 
it's it just, and the other thing is, like, as fans, man, this is our hobby. But the reason that Reggie called me and cussed me out is, man, that ain't his hobby. You know? This is his livelihood. And this is his family. And, you know, we live in a small town, and I know it's a big market, big club and a big market, big, big program. But I go back to the time where I got a phone call from someone inside the football office the day that two coordinators got fired, Mike O'Kane and I think John Lovett, I think. And so I got a call and said, hey, man, O'Kane and Lovett just got fired. And I'm on the air at the time. I'm during a break. And I had to make a decision, and I chose not to mention it. Yeah. My thing there, with Larry, is that, like, those wives and those kids yep. didn't need to hear that from me. That's something that dad's going to come home and tell them, not a radio guy. So the point there is, man, you just got to be careful who your audience is. I know you get phone calls from guys all the time, coaches all the time, but you've been in it for the long run. This is a long haul for you. And I kind of do the same thing, but, like, it's just reckless, man. And, and the Tylers of the world, the Spartanburgs of the world, like, they don't have that, that vested interest in being that guy. And that's what's dangerous is that – Somebody reads it, somebody says it, and all of a sudden that's the gospel. Now I know that's the case, and many, many times it is, but many times it's not. I'll say this. Well, first of all, you mentioned your sort of humanity on, okay, I'm not going to run with this. I don't want them to, their family to hear this. Similar episode with me, something I learned from uh, back in uh, 2008, October of 2008, when it was the fateful day, October 13th, when it all went down. And uh, it was already out that, that Tommy was out. And so then the next question, beyond, of course, who's going to replace him um, on an interim basis, is who else is out? And so I went and posted up at the McFadden building. And this tells you how different those times were 15 years ago. Football offices wide open over there at McFadden building. Anybody yep. could just walk in. I mean, that's how I developed some of the relationships I had with the coaches was just walking by their office and saying, hey, you, you got a minute? Um, walked in the lobby there in the front and just sat down. And Ren Wyndham was in her office. I could tell things were a little uncomfortable. Rob's, I see Rob Spence walking down the hallway and walking out. I said, and, and I said, Rob, do you have a second? And he said, no. And I said, did you, did you get fired? And I'm walking with him. And he doesn't say anything. I mean, he, he his face is white. He's clearly devastated. And I remember Truck, Donald Hemel, was also walking out, and he's like, Larry, come on, dude. You know, just back off. And something in the moment, uh, you know, a lot younger. Um, uh, you got that testosterone or whatever, the competitive juices. You want to get the story. It's a, the biggest day in still the biggest day really in my professional career you know with that that changeover and those monumental things happening you want to be on top of it but you also want to be fair and be human and be nice and so it's a it's not an easy question to answer not an easy balance but just saying that's something that you know here now in my much older age um if I were in that position I'd probably say Coach Spence or whoever, Coach whoever, do you have a minute? And if it's no, let him go, right? Yeah, let him right. go. Yeah. Well, in that case, too, like, he was a different dude. Uh, 
but he had a great, you know, you remember his wife and her kids, and they had this great family dynamic. They were a great part of the community, and he had, you know, had a big family, and so, like, boy, that guy had to go home and tell his wife and kids that that day. And I know, man, can you imagine coming in and telling your two girls, right? Yeah. Uh, or why, or dad, somebody said to my dad today, or I heard this about dad on the radio, or I read this about dad. It's like, yeah, I mean, you inherit, you, when you get into it, they're, they're big boys and all that, but those kids don't. It's a different deal, man. And that's where, I, look, I want, I want changes, and I want things to be right in certain cases, but, but with those changes, there's guys are going to lose, and I feel confident, there's guys going to lose their job this year. And lost their job last year. Brandon Streeter's a dear friend of mine. I saw him at Publix a few months ago, and we're, we had this interaction about how's your family doing and what's your travel like and he's staying at a home down in Athens now that he misses his kids every night at dinner sometimes and you know uh, Bradley Lecroy uh, having to drive back and forth in baseball outside of baseball or even on baseball weekends Monty Lee having to drive back and forth to Columbia like they have kids man and as a dad now I'm like what that'd be so hard to do and these are human beings and message board guy and radio guy sometimes forget that Um, or you and I live in a small town and I, I, on that same day, Larry, on the day, on the night that they introduced Dabo, I was over there at McFadden, if you remember. Well, they introduced the head coach in Death, in, in Death Valley up there, but the, the the interim press conference was in Death Valley, and I mean over in McFadden. And one of the coaches, who was a friend of mine, came up to me and said, "Man, I appreciate you getting us fired today." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Wow. And he goes, "He goes, yeah, all you, all that stuff you talked last week." And you stayed by the computer stuff. And I was like, so in other words, your crappy season didn't have anything to do with it. This is my fault. And he goes, yeah, man, it was a pressure to this, this, this. And he was, and we've talked since, we made up since. But one of the things I remember saying to that coach was, so how about the fact that you're still on staff and you got a chance to keep your job? He goes, man, this guy ain't getting that job. And here we are 17, 16 years later, whatever, 15 years later, and Guys won two national champions and played for four and six college playoffs. But that was the message I got that night. Well, this guy ain't getting that job. Thanks for getting me fired. I'll, I'll push back on a little, a little on something you said, sort of in defense of fans. Uh, when you say, "Hey, this is this is a hobby," all right? I think of a hobby as, "Hey, I'm a mountain biker, right? Uh, I'm a wakeboarder." You know, something I do for fun in my spare time. I don't think, I don't think that's the most precise term to use. I think fans, and I don't want to be dismissive and say, "Oh, they're just fanatics." This is their soul. It, it really is, and and it's kind of unfortunate. It's more important than religion in a lot of cases, regardless of what anybody says. They devote more time to thinking about and talking about and writing about a college football team and 18 to 22 year olds through the course of 365 days in a year than they do whatever their spirituality is. That's just a fact. So that's not, I'm just pushing back a little on that. This you're talking about generational support, generational love, generational investment, emotionally, financially. So I think hobby is probably selling it a little bit short. You, what, what do you think about that? Uh, I would disagree. Okay. And I'm not here. I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life. Man, my gracious, you talk about Dabo saying he's not perfect. I've made more mistakes than anybody listening to this podcast right now. I'm a knucklehead when it comes to life a lot of times. 
But as an older I get, if, if you spend more time on a football team than your spirituality, then then you got bigger problems than a four four season or a football season. Like uh, at the end of the day, uh, what your salvation looks like. And I, I'm not trying to come down to any listener, any any subscriber of yours. I, I don't I don't have it all figured out by any stretch. But my gut tells me, as the older I get, as a father and a husband, and someone who's I heard this great quote one time, Larry, and it was from Muhammad Ali, and 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 he's at this British talk show. And this, like, eight-year-old kid, he's toward the end of his boxing career, and this eight-year-old kid says, Muhammad, what are you going to do after you finish boxing? And he said, I'm going to get prepared to meet God. That's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I'm going to go prepare to meet God. And, and man, the guy did a great job of that, obviously. But with that said, <laughs> I can't tell you how much more that's my priority than – the outcome of a football game. And that wasn't always the case, Larry. I mean, I will tell you that I was that guy for many, many years. But now the priorities I have on being a husband and being a father uh, and where I'm going to spend eternity, you know, to me it is a hobby. And especially I feel like I've been forced as a fan because of my thoughts on the transfer portal and NIL. And it just feels different to me now. So I'm not, again, man, I'm not coming down to hear this because people hear that and go, oh, oh man, this guy's telling how to live my life. You live your life how you want to. And and I'm, I don't want to be judgmental, but the fact that a football game is more than that to you, and maybe I'm not the great fan anymore, whatever, but uh, if, if it's the case, then my opinion is I'd have my parties out of whack if that's my life. It's more than a hobby. I'll say this, Larry, like, my hobby is golf, okay? Right. And for years, before I got married, before I had a kid, for years, I would spend thousands and thousands of dollars and spend hours and hours getting lessons, buying equipment, practicing, preparing. And so, like, my hobby as golf was huge. Like, it's it was as big as my fandom of a football team was. And, and so, like, even the teams I pulled for, like, I was an Earnhardt fan in NASCAR. And the reason was because that guy poured it into that. I was a Faldo fan. Like, I felt like those guys poured it into it. So maybe my, my level of hobby was different than than that. Like, um, I was lifting weights. I didn't lift weights. Lifting weights wasn't my hobby. Working out wasn't my hobby because I kind of did it, like, I half-assed it. But, like, in golf, my hobby, it wasn't any half-assed. I'm not saying that fans aren't aren't, um, hundred, you know, I'm not saying that fans aren't totally devoted and they love this thing and, you know, it's great to live and die every single Saturday with every single loss and it hurts when they lose. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying it still, it ain't your wife, it ain't your life, it ain't your job, it ain't your spirituality, it ain't your salvation. It's a, that's a hobby. And we can agree to disagree on that. But I'm not saying that these people are, are wrong for feeling so strong about a program. Heck, if they didn't, I wouldn't have a job. That, you wouldn't have a exactly, job. Exactly, exactly. But... Maybe maybe my maybe I, my maybe that just my hobbies I just put so much into maybe so maybe I think higher the word hobby than you do is that fair? May, yeah yeah maybe we just had different definitions but I'm just saying <laughs> if if uh, if if my hobby is uh, golf or 
oh, I don't know, um, running, you know, and I run a 5K or something, and I have a bad, I don't know, I don't run the time that I want, or I don't shoot, I have a bad back nine, you know, it affects my day, (laughs) I'm frustrated, but, okay, that's a hobby, but when in this neck of the woods, or any neck of the woods where college football is huge, during times of struggle, it's traumatic. It hurts, like you just said. I mean, they don't say, you know, you say, yeah, I got uh, my blood runneth orange. People say that all the time. That's not what I associate with a hobby. And like you said, if, if it if it if, if it were, if it were just okay, yeah, they lost. All right, well, we'll just you know, uh, uh, that, that's fair. You know, I, th- I think I, I, I'm not going to push back on that. I think that's fair. Um, even then, I mean, some of the things I know we were going to talk about today is. I had a guy call my show today and he goes, well, you're shareholders, you know, and you're invested in this company. And so my, my pushback to that was, well, shareholders don't make policy. Mm-hmm. You know, like in my, your job, I've got guys, I, I think you know the game of football as well as anybody in the media. And I enjoy watching your Thursday film type stuff. Thank you. Thank you. With that said, and, and you and I are dear friends and have been and will be a hope forever. But with that said, if I'm looking to, to decide what a game plan is on Saturday or who needs to be hired, or who needs to be fired or the direction of a program moving forward on big picture type stuff, like I'm not trusting you. <laughs> That's right. I agree. Right. <laughs> yeah, because now, if I need, if, if I want to, if I want to read a great Clemson book, I'm going to go, I've got your books on my, on my shelf right now. I've read your books and I think you're great at it. And I think you're great at your daily stuff. I think you make great observations, but you're a writer a damn good one, as good as anybody's in this market, but you're a writer. And I'm not going to depend on you to tell me, man, I, I think this guy has to fire this guy yes. because of this, this, and this. But now here's the same thing. Even if you were trained, which, which you and I are not trained in that profession, and on top of that, we have less access now than we've ever had before. So, I, look, I think Tyler, he made some good points. He was lost in the condescending tone. But even then, I'm not going to trust Tyler to know what's going on over there. And, and the one thing we have to do, so I, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I think there's just so few absolutes that are out there, okay? And Jordan Peterson has this guest on. He makes this, this quote. He's like, uh, what's one plus one? And so the answer is two, right? What, but not always. And I was like, What? If you take one wad of gum and you combine it with another, add one other wad of gum, you don't have two wads of gum. You have one wad of gum. If a cloud, like from, my, from appearance up on the sky down here, if a cloud, two clouds kind of merge together, I don't have two, I have one. So the more point there was very few things are so absolute. So, yeah, could personally me, I think Dabo has too much inexperience on his staff. And I might be right about that. But also – because I'm not in that building and because I'm not professionally trained to know this, I might be wrong about that too. And because (laughs) he has a pretty good track record of, of hire making the right hires that, and that, that also compels you to not have a strong opinion, right? Yes. Well, have a trust factor. 
Yes. Because again, now if, if you if you were writing for and I was hosting a radio show on the flagship station for um, NC State football through the years, uh, I, and Dave Doran makes a hire after going seven and five, he fires somebody going seven and five for the third straight year, whatever. You know, I got a little more ammunition. I got a little more, you know, credibility. I think there with Dabo. You know, this season. Is, is, is the outlier to me. The last three kind of been the outliers, but uh, for different reasons in there. And again, is he perfect? No. Is he make every, I've criticized that, but I'll continue to criticize him on some things. And even, but I'll preface it by saying, this is what I think. I don't know that I could be wrong about that. But yeah, to your point, um, he, he's, he's pretty good at what he does. I, I'll tell you one of the things that, that I, I talked to two different people in the last two weeks about this. I talked to one of his former coaches. And I talked to one of his former administrators who had worked in the NFL for years and is currently out of football right now. And they, they've mentioned two, two things that, that I don't think that the average fan gets. The, the former coach said, you know, Dabo really does know the game. He goes, not all head coaches really know the game. Some are CEO type stuff. He goes, but when Dabo sits in with a defensive meeting, he really does know what technique the linebacker should be playing. And he really does know where the linebacker should be, even though that's not his side of the ball, because he sits in on those meetings and he invests in those meetings. And you think about it, he's been doing it for 25 or 30 years. If you do something for 30 years, for six hours a day, for nine, ten months a year, you think you might know a little bit about that. And he goes, the average fan doesn't understand his depth of knowing the game itself. And I know, like, you've talked to former coaches saying, like, he doesn't interfere play calls, but, like, oh, message boards and – Oh man, he's interfering in play calling. This is his offense and not the other guys. And, and my sources, I think your sources are, are saying the same thing that that's not the case. Well, the other the, thing is, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I said that, that like the, the the other person that was in administrative role, who's been in the NFL, was in the NFL for years before this. Oh, by the way, with the world champion teams, in the NFL said, I just don't get the idea that the head coach, who's been around this long and this successful, is supposed to sit back and not have a say. You know, yeah. like that interferes too much. Well, he goes, I work for Bill Belichick. You think he interfered? <laughs> you know? Like the head coach is going to have a say. Yes. Not to sit back and do nothing. Yeah. And I'll say there, there's some gray area um, and murkiness when we're talking about the, the topic of how involved Debo is in the offense. Okay. I, so you can say, Dabo is not takeover play calling and also say Dabo's very involved in the offense because he always has been. I mean, you can see it. He has a play sheet that he's constantly looking at. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's like, all right, I'm going to take this series, Garrett. You know, I don't think that is happening. But no, but the other thing that is, he is in offensive staff meetings yeah. every single day. He's in quarterback room meetings and wide receiver room meetings and, and, and offensive line meetings and and the defense as well, and he is at practice, and then at the post-practice and all of the self-scouting that they do, like he's involved in all of that. Sure. So why would he not? Yeah, well, I'm I'm certainly not saying he's, you know, making the wrong move to be involved. I'm like you. I I mean, the dude has (laughs) – he's a Hall of Fame coach uh, in a rough patch. I'm not going to, you know – join the the mobs and saying, yeah, he's got to do this or he's got to do that. I try to be um, very conservative with that. But I I do think – so when he first hired Garrett Riley, when that bombshell happened in January, 
one of my first questions was, oh, and I think probably one of yours too, was does this mean Dabo's going to totally step away from management of the offense? You know, and I'm wondering at the time, oh, well, did is it was that like a condition of Garrett coming? Like, okay, I have to have the key, totally have the keys, you know? Um, and so I... I think I don't think it's unfair for someone to say, okay, it's time for Dabo to just remove himself. Not I'm not saying not be not weigh in on decisions, but to yeah, be I, not as, you know, in it as he is. He's clearly in it. And it might be something where, you know, at the goal line, all right, let's go with this package that we worked, you know, in practice. Whatever. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher, really fascinating. Um, development this season, you know, after, and this is what bothers me about the media and the general conversation is that when he hired Petrino, I mean, the whole off season in, around Texas A&M, the conversation was, I don't think he's going to give it up. I don't know. I don't think so. We'll see. And he wouldn't really comment on it. If you remember, he wouldn't really give a clear answer, which coaches are prone to do when before a season, yeah. when they don't want to give away anything naturally to the first or right. second opponent. Well, Turns out the dude is no longer carrying the, uh, the the tax return folder or whatever it is. It's like eighty-two pages of plays that he used to carry, and he it truly it appears has taken his hands off the offense and totally given it to Petrino. I'm not saying that's what Dabo should do. What I'm saying is, if somebody says, you know, I think Dabo should do that, I don't really have have that much of a problem with that that opinion. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. So, so I, I was not surprised to hear this. But years ago, when Alabama went through the Sarkeesian and the Lane Kiffin offensive coordinator era, um, friends on staff, and I'm like, well, how much is Saban involved offensively? Saban's a defensive guru, correct? Mm-hmm. And the question I had was like, man, is like, he, he goes, oh, no, he's in those offensive meetings. He's in those game-planning meetings. And he's in their ear on stuff. So he said – the answer was, and if I remember correctly, I don't know exactly, but, like, man, you'd be surprised, like, how involved he is in the offense. And yeah. Nick Saban. Now, yeah. Nick, now but, but the point also to that is that's Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's two huge names and two future head coaches. But even then – and the reason that is the case is because these head coaches – it is their name. It is their. It is their livelihood. It is their record that goes. You know, their, that win or loss goes on their record, and so we can't expect coaches. Bill Belichick, who's a defensive genius, is involved in, in offensive staff meetings and offensive game planning and offensive personnel things at New England. And yep. they look better when Brady was there, obviously. But when it was Charlie Weiss or it was McDaniel's, any of those guys, he's involved in that because he's the head coach. And I don't. I think it's unrealistic to expect that. I, I don't know this at Georgia because. I'm not asked Brandon Street, and I don't have a whole lot of contacts at Georgia right now, but my guess is that Kirby Smart is very involved yes. in the offensive staff meetings, the game plans, and all that, and should be because, you know, one thing's like, why would Dabo be involved in the defense? Dabo's involved in on all these defensive meetings. Now, again, when you're really good on defense, nobody ever says anything about it, but he's, he's been an offensive guy, so he kind of knows offensively to get the defense type stuff. So Nick Saban, I'm sure, kind of knew – Hey, if the defense is going to be doing this, this, and this, here offensively, here's what we don't want to do, or here's what we'd like to do because of that, right? And so I, I think we'd be surprised, right? And to Debit, right, no, well, you know, everybody latches on to the 
his influence that is supposedly negative while ignoring what could be a positive. And, and you're talking about the defensive side of the ball. He has clearly been more, Dabo, been more involved on the defense. Well, so, so to that point, man, you're talking about really good. There's times where you've seen it this year. Like, he's over there in those defensive huddles a lot. Yes. Right? More than he's ever been. Yes. Well, he must be great because if his back is tur- turned to the field and he's over there talking to the defense <laughs> linebacker, he'll be able to be, you know, call those plays. Man, that must be really, really <laughs> good to do that, right? Uh, so I, look, I, I, don't, I don't just – I mean, the fans are they, – they might be right about that. The fans that say that, they might be right about that. But, but also, they might be wrong about it. And the thing is, is, oh, yes, oh, yes, totally. Um, and the thing is, but, but Larry, like the message board guy and the guy called, they in their head, they're not wrong. And so my point is, if you can point out that Dabo might, and Dabo makes mistakes every single day and every game, he makes mistakes. And, and, and so he's not above any of that, but if we're going to say for sure that as a caller or a, or a subscriber or a writer on a message board, like I think this because he's wrong about this, he might be, but also I think if you had to come to terms of. Well, I might be wrong, too. Well, another, another element of human nature that has come forth with this is uh, the, the very common uh, phenomenon or trait or whatever of when you convince yourself of something, oh. then you see what you see uh, is distorted. Um, because I had a couple of, I think it was a couple of subscribers uh, yesterday, maybe the day before, on this topic. They said you can if just go back and look at the huddle before the final play against Miami, and Dabo clearly tells Garrett Riley what to call. And I'm like, uh, okay, I I I've already watched. I mean, I watched it like ten times because I'm always curious about that interplay. You know, when they're in the huddles, like what does it look like they're saying? You know, this and that. Well, I go back and watch it again, and the, I mean, there's, I mean, could Dabo have told Garrett what play to run? Sure, but there's, and this is just my opinion, and I'm not trashing a subscriber at all. There's nothing that a, 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 you know, balanced middle of the road person with no opinion on it could look at over that nine sec, nine or 10 seconds uh, of of the ESPN camera footage and say, oh, wow, Debo just told him what play to call. No. And so it's just, you know, just another. Another element of this, where you know we 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 what we see, what we sort of want to see, and what we what confirms what we very strongly believe. Well, this is this is uh, life now. This is society now because yeah. you and I talked about this before. Uh, we're terrible arguers because we're not changing anybody's mind. If you're a great arguer, a great debater, you can change people's mind. Well, people's minds are already made up in advance, and. You're not going to convince them otherwise, despite the fact that you might have. What we do now is we, we take our stance first based upon maybe good information, maybe bad, who knows. But then we ignore all other counterpoints to it because we are tied to being right. And I, I think that's dangerous. I think we do it in all aspects of life. I do it. You do it. We all do this where... Again, the older I get, the more I realize, you know, I, I might be right about this, and I feel pretty convicted about this. But also, there's a part of me that says that, man, one plus one is not always two. It's not. And I always thought I was right. And I always thought, but I'm not. 
And it, it's not – here's the difference, though. When a listener calls my show and he could be right about something or he could be wrong, the skin in the game is I say hobby, you say more than that. and, and but, but the skin in the game is, okay, that's Tom from Greenville who thinks that. All right, well, on Tuesday, I don't remember what Tom said. I don't remember anything of it. When a coach is wrong about something, then every, millions see it. And we all pointed out just how wrong he was. So I opened up our minds of, could he be right? Yeah. Could he be wrong? Yeah. Their skin in the game is a lot more than mine and yours, man. What, uh, so my first reaction to the thing Monday night with Tyler and Dabo was, I, my nature now is to totally push away and ignore the debate that follows something like that. I just don't have the, it just doesn't interest me because I know what it is going to be. It's going to be pick your side. And you you have already determined in your mind whose side you're on. And you will not listen to anybody who makes any sense. Let me, let me give you a quick story. All right. So, Yesterday, I called a friend of mine who's in politics, who knows nothing about sports. I think he knows who Dabo Sweeney is, but I'm not sure of that, okay? And I said, hey, man, I know you're following this, but I need your help on something. And I sent him the link to all of that, and I kind of gave him some background. So this guy is coming from, he's a political strategist type guy, right? And again, (laughs) he doesn't know if a ball has air feathers in it, okay? So he has no preconceived but i was just interested to hear and he said hey man this is my field like this is politics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes the people who are paying he goes hey, you know you mean to tell me people care about this like, oh yeah they do and like there's there's tens of thousands of people who care about this and he goes this is crazy but you think the same thing about me right i went yeah and he goes but this is what we do every single day in our field and it's uh you're 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 you're, you're preconditioned to response you're thin-skinned. You, the, the person is questioning in a news conference has already asked a pointed question. He's talking about like a politician in a press conference type thing. That the, the question is not the answer, not the question to get a response. The question is to not to get the information. The question is to get a preconditioned response. So you can have, you know, the press is going to have something against you, and you have something against them, and then the other party is going to have this on you. And it's all about sound bites. And it's all about like positioning yourself through this. But he goes, "This is my life every day." Every I thought day. it was fascinating. Every, every, day. Day. every day, and it's not, and it is pop. politics has become sports, but it's like this guy who knows nothing about sports says, oh, well, now, and I, I kind of called him for that reason. I kind of called him just to get, a, like, a, a, an intelligent person's answer. He goes, man, this is my life. This is what I do. This is what everybody's life is now. He goes, this, this whole caller and, and coach thing, that's everybody's life right now. Exactly. Well, not everybody. <laughs> no, not everybody. Everybody who's out there commenting, you know, at, and 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 using their platforms, which is fine. Now, you know, that that's what that's what society has an opportunity to do. Um, but we have we've fallen for it, Larry. Like in life, like like uh, locally. I know your wife's involved in some things, and, and other, we, we've fought through some things on good and on side stuff. But like people who are opposed to some of that, they already know. Like in advance, they know what they're going to tell you, and so it, it might be your school, it might be your church. People are fighting in church every day about stuff. It might be in your family. I've got it in my family right now. Like, we fight about stuff in our family. And I'm already conditioned to I know what they're going to say in my argument. I know what I'm going to say back to them. And I'm not asking them the question. I'm not making a point trying to get information from them. I'm telling them something because I'm mad about something. And, <laughs> like, that's what the guy told me yesterday. This, this political guy is like, this is life now. This is, this yeah. is a, a great 
idea of what everybody's life is like all of a sudden. I want to share with you sort of the play-by-play from my perspective Monday night through Tuesday morning through Tuesday afternoon. Um, and, I, and I know I, I am you, you, you said before I hit record, you know, you have Tyler fatigue ready to move on. And I am a hundred percent with you. Um, I think even Tyler has, <laughs> has Tyler fatigue. He's ready to move on too. But Hey, can I interrupt you on that though, Larry? Yeah. One thing I got from your article yesterday is he needs to marry that girl. <laughs> Yes, uh, Tyler. Totally. If you listen to this, marry her tomorrow, pal, because it's so good for you. Oh man, I don't, I've met her a day in my life, but a man needs a woman like Tyler's girlfriend. She, of all Dabo, me, you, listeners, whatever, Tyler, whatever, the one winner in all this is the girlfriend. Boy, what a what a star she is, Mickey. And the, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, sort of sort of depart a little bit here, just sort of on on that on the topic of women and wisdom. And on the topic of something you and I were discussing just yesterday about, hey man, I think that call-in show thread is is a little, man, it's a little over the top, too much poking fun and all that. All right, and, and so I, I of course I'm like, okay, that's that's good to hear. I appreciate that. Well, just this morning, uh, a subscriber, I think his name is Cavitybacks, he said, you know, I would sit and just laugh at that thread each week, each Monday, and it's just you know just innocent you know, humor, like trying to, trying to get some comic relief, uh, during a, a tough season. Um, and my wife is like, what in the world are you laughing about? I guess this was this past Monday, <laughs> Monday maybe. <laughs> and he shows her, uh, the thread and she's like, you guys are acting like a bunch of kids, like, like, sh- like girl shaming or something like, a, like, in a, like at a uh, high school or something. And he said, you know, it made me think of it differently. And and so I took that opportunity to say, hey, you know, this might be a good reset for everybody just in terms of tone, you know, because what what is in my brain as I'm sitting there laughing at a lot of this stuff and it's in my mind, it's innocent humor and comic relief and all that, that doesn't necessarily translate to what people see that I have typed, you know, and uh, you know, and so it probably does come off as poking fun and of you know, talk, radio call coaches calling shows are a a I don't want to say bizarre, but they're kind of bizarre <laughs> in, in in general. You know, you have these callers who are fascinating because they call in every week. You have bubble screen Becky and this and that and Billy from Raleigh who calls in every single week and says he can't wait to get down. He wants to come down to Clemson and he loves Dabo. So it's. There's a peculiar element to it for sure, but these are all good people. They these are all people who love Clemson, and so should probably be a little more careful with uh, what what we're typing, um, you know, because you don't know how that gonna is gonna come off. Well, a few things there. Number one, I, I know Heidi Williams, and <laughs> I would yield her more. I'm on a, on a very serious note, man. She's so yeah. bright, and you know this, like. And I know you probably probably uh, lean on her for advice all the time, but I think she's 100% right. So last night, my wife uh, took my seven-week-old daughter and my four-year-old son to, to my in-laws for the weekend. They had money and Tuesday off, so I hadn't seen them in like three days. And so, and my wife doesn't know football. She doesn't know anything about football, but she's so doggone smart. And she's about to get her Ph.D., by the way. Man, and awesome. I'm going to call her. 
I'm going to call her doctor. And, she, and she's got more degrees than a thermometer, man. So I lean on her all the time. And so I played everything for her. And she's familiar with Clemson football and what's going on. But I played this for her. And she's like, okay, here's a couple of things. Here's a couple of things. We can get into it about what she said. But, man, she's 100% right in my opinion. So I, I, I lean on her for those types of things. Um, and, and for full disclosure, you, I called you yesterday and we talked about this and because I came as you and I, and I preface it by saying, Larry, uh, man, I, I love you and, I, and, and we're friends and, um, I, this is not a personal thing, but weeks ago, I kind of didn't have a great feeling about your, your coaches show threads because I felt like it was condescending and if people were making fun of people, putting up memes of people with no teeth and yeah. those kind of things. And, but I said, that's not you because I know you're good natured and you, you're not a mean spirited person. So you didn't mean it that way. But I thought it got, and, and oh, by the way, I mentioned to you that two guys I talked to, one text and one on the phone, had agreed that and thought that for weeks too. And then I know people who are, who are mad at you for interviewing Tyler yesterday. And I, I kind of pushed back on that with them a little bit in that I, I enjoyed that and learning more about all that and kind of seeing Tyler like, the human rather than the testosterone keyboard warrior guy and having regrets now how it worked out. But the point is that, yeah, we got a lot of enemies in this world. We got a lot of problems in this world, but Clemson fans towards each other, that's not the problem, man. That, and, and that was when he's not the problem. And, and, uh, you know, we got a lot of other things, but how we talk to each other is a major problem and how we, we don't, you don't know what people are going through in their lives. You know, there's some compassion needs to happen on all ends. But uh, I think that was a great lesson. This is, like I said, this is life, man. What happened Monday night is life. Well, and the lessons were provided by two women. Uh, <laughs> Tyler's, yeah. Tyler's girlfriend yeah. and Cavity Back's wife. <laughs> That's right, 100%. Upstate Foodies. Want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willie Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willie Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky fresh fusion. It's the Willie way. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Uh, so I'll go, I'll go back to sort of the play-by-play, not to, to, to be, not, not to draw attention to myself, but more because I think it's, 
it's interesting. It fits into what we're talking about. So the, the thing happens on the radio show, and I think I, like everybody, am like, holy crap. I've never heard Dabo go off like that on his radio show. I'm not sure I've heard Dabo go off like that publicly anywhere. Um, I mean, I guess the closest would be the Spurrier thing, um, but that's uh, a rival coach. That's, that's not a, a so-called supporter. Um, so I call... I call Chris, my boss, and I'm like, hey, yeah, we're just sort of talking about it. And um, and he says, are you planning on maybe calling Tyler tomorrow for your podcast or something? And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> my first reaction is hell no, because, Mickey, I, when that show's over, I'm ready for that story to be over. Like I, like I said earlier, I push away because I know yeah. it's going to turn into the latest Either yeah. or pissing match between everybody, right? You have to pick a side. And so I'm like, no way. I don't want to give this guy a platform to further, you know, to do exactly what he just did, you know, to, to, to get even more attention. Well, then I realize, so we hang up and then I realize, oh, he's a subscriber. Okay. And he even uh, posted, I think, in the thread. Well, I had sort of forgotten about well, not forgotten about it, but I had moved on. Um, as of yesterday morning, I'm thinking about what I'm going to ask Dabo in his press conference. And um, I get to the press conference. I, I don't, again, I'm not on my message board looking at the arguments pro and, you know, for Dabo, for Tyler, whatever. I'm, I'm definitely not on Twitter getting into the into that, into the muck of that. I just haven't paid any attention just mainly for my own sanity. I just don't really have much patience for it or enjoyment in it. So as the press conference starts, I have a direct message from Tyler on Tiger through the Tiger Illustrated uh, platform, and he says, "Man, I, I I think I I think I went too far, and I just don't know what should I do." And I'm like, "Well, first of all, like I I am not the person to be giving you advice here." I said, "I mean, I respectfully say that I think you went too far in how you how you approach those questions. I also think." Dabo probably went too far, but that's nothing personal at all. I appreciate your your being a member and and this and that. So then he he responds again and he says, "I, I think I probably owe Dabo an apology and I, I I just I have some regret and I just don't know how to handle it. You know, should I make a post on the message board or what?" And that's when I'm like, "Okay, this guy is showing some obviously some regret, showing some humanity. You know that." He, he he screwed up. And so then I'm like, okay, I might be interested in talking to this guy. And so I, uh, I, I, I reach out to Chris and I say, Hey, would you be cool with me doing a podcast with this Tyler guy? And he's like, no, this needs to be an actual story. So if you interview him, write a story and then we'll, we'll go that route. So I do, I spent an hour plus on the phone with Tyler yesterday afternoon. And this is mind you, after Dabo has continued <laughs> to go after Tyler <laughs> in his press conference yesterday, um, still very hot about what happened the night before. But my point is, I, I do the story, and I'm like, man, this is, I, I kind of, I like this, because it takes it a step further than just this pissing match, and it shares that this guy's a Marine who watched Clemson National Championships from all over the globe, and um, started going to Clemson games when he was five and, and, and really is scarred from the Tommy Bowden era, which probably explains why he's so negative about uh, um, 
you know, the, the present days. He just doesn't want it to fall apart. But after the story was posted, I went and looked at some of the reactions, and I was just like, oh, man, I, people were really, really upset that I had given this guy, this despicable, allegedly despicable person, a platform to further, you know, keep this story going. And I just, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. And I'd certainly have nothing personal to anybody who didn't like seeing that. But my, my long winded way of explaining it, interpreting it is people had spent all day sort of crystallizing their opinion, right? Like they becoming further entrenched and this guy, this guy's a scumbag and, 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 and being more, you know, uh, enthusiastic, I guess, in that opinion. And so when they see this, it just sort of is a shock to the system because it's like, I can't believe you gave this scumbag, this guy who should rot in hell, you know, for, for calling out Dabo. I can't believe you actually gave him the time of day. Anyway, I don't even know. I'm just trying to explain that sort of play by play. I think it's interesting in that, in a number of ways, but, but, but one, like I, I just had, I had not paid any attention to the, to the fray or whatever, the social media message board discussion before that. So it was a little, it was honestly a little jolting to see Larry, I am disappointed in you, which I I don't have a problem with. It's nothing personal, but I was like, man, I, I thought this was a sort of a human side of the story. Just exactly what you just said of this guy owning up to his mistake or, you know, poor choice of, of a poor approach and saying, I'm going to be better. I'm going to try to be better from now on. I kind of like that. That's refreshing to me. So a few things there. Number one, like when my wife heard it, she said, she stopped me after Tyler. After Tyler, that's the part of, of the phone call. And she said, Tyler sounds like me when I first started in, she's in education. She said, like, I give a presentation and I have five pretty good points and I make them all up front mm. and then I kind of go back and I get jumbled and I get nervous and, and uh, my and then my message gets lost a little bit. And there, if there was a, because Tyler did have some points. I think yeah. Tyler's right about a lot of stuff he might have said. But then where he lost it was the, the condescending part of it. And so he, but and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that in a minute. So but my point was like it's the inexperience of that. Okay, that's fine. Uh, the condescending part was because again when I originally heard it was I didn't think that he wanted a question answered. Right. Right. There was not that was not that was not a question about about um, getting a fact-finding deal, Yes. Right? So I, I, I've got a friend who has an addiction problem, and I'm, so I'm, I'm talking to a psychologist yesterday about this. I'm like, how do I go about this? He goes, are you going to jump them? Or are you going to try to get find information? I was like, what are you saying? He goes, you're trying to have this big deal? Or are you going to jump all over them? Or are you going to go in trying to find out the best way to help them? I went, that's a good point. Like, ask questions. And he told me to ask them this way rather than another way, right? And so... It's the same way, like the, the experience of if you want to know the answer, then come out of it diplomatically and you got some answers out of that, right? With that said, I think that Tyler is a lot like a lot of folks. Uh, and you go back and look at it, like he, now he's taking the post down, but on Twitter his responses were, I've seen enough of Dabo Sweeney, got fired Dabo Sweeney. Right? There are three or four of those. You saw those? Those tweets? Or replies? Yeah. Okay. So, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ask that question again. I just had to. I just had to step away for a yeah, second. I got you. I got you. Tyler tweeted three or four times in the fall. This fall, I've seen enough of Dabo Sweeney. Oh yes. Dabo yes. 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 Okay. All right. So that was Twitter guy. And 
what we talked about on like Monday night stuff that you guys have, and you get this almost this group mentality of, hey man, somebody, you got to ask us some tough questions. Somebody going call in tonight. Yeah, you gonna show him, and so yep. yeah, you got to get that. But but the people, Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time in his podcast of like the anonymity of social media and the and the narcissism that goes on with message board guy or calling guy that like, okay, I'm going to show them. It's about me, 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 me. So the, it was not a fact finding mission. That was not a question answer. That was, a, I'm going to show him kind of thing. And so when you break it down to outside the keyboard or outside the phone call, this is a dude, this is a guy, this is a guy that that's hopefully going to serve our country. And we should love him for that. And, and, and thank you for that. He's searching for his life professionally as an intern. He's got this unbelievable girlfriend. And now he's having these second thoughts about, you know, that almost insurrectionist kind of attitude of these people got me worked up. I'm going to say this, this, and this. And I come back and go, oh, no, these are human beings. And I need to act like a gentleman and talk to people differently. If anything, this is a transformation story, right? I hope so. so. This guy kind of, he learned, a, he got humbled and learned this lesson. And by the way, Dabo needs to do the same thing to some of this because Dabo kind of can come back and, and, and learn some of and, and he, I thought Dabo handled it okay with some things, but he probably said some things he shouldn't have as well. So this is a lesson on how to deal with people and talk with tact and dignity and and how to go back and reassess that I wasn't always right about something. I could be wrong about something. These are these could be great redemption stories. It's already written what you wrote yesterday was a I gained respect for the guy. He's a human being. He's not a war but a, a, a keyboard warrior now. Like he now has some humility and understands that these are human lives rather than a keyboard with no repercussions whatsoever. I asked him about the Twitter stuff, and you know, because people are like, "Oh, there's the same guy who called for his firing." I don't believe it. Crap, he's saying, you know, okay, that's that's fine, no no problem. But, and again, we're taking all this at face value. His words, I, I can't. I mean, I can't, I can't like, you know, independently verify that he's being 100 percent genuine. I'm not going to give him a lie detector test. I'm just taking it, it all at face value, and I think. I'm a pretty good reader of body language and when somebody is truly, um, you know, regretful of how they handled something. Well, I asked him about the Twitter stuff and he's like, yeah, he's like, I, 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 he's like, I'm not even sure how people figure that out because I, I, I registered under a, like a, not my name. Um, but he just used that to sort of clap back and fire back at mostly Gamecock fans and talk smack to them. I think y'all were saying yesterday on your radio show that it's largely Spurs up, <laughs> him confronting the Spurs up guy. And then, of course, yes, most recently, um, what was it, 23rd? What, 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 uh, what, I, I, was that after, which game was that? Was that the... The losses are adding. The losses are adding up. I'm losing. I'm losing track of them. What was it? Miami, I guess. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Saying Dabo should be fired. Yeah, popping off. So he said, you know, I. He's like I, I, I've gone through some of those posts today, and this is before I talked to him. So all right, so we're talking about this this, this process for him, and and you, you've already mentioned it. So he wakes up this yesterday morning, girlfriend. <laughs> girlfriend is like dude what is your problem you the way you look out there i hope you're happy you know you act like a child people are calling you a child so he's clearly i think taking a serious look in the mirror and so part of that he said was going back and looking at some of those old tweets and he's like 
I've gone through some of those posts today, and my goodness, I am not proud of a lot of that. He also said, honestly, the social media stuff, that's what's wrong with society today. At one point in time, I would spout off about a lot of things on Twitter. I would just literally respond to other accounts, and some of those did involve Clemson. Now, if you want to say what he said about Dabo, Fire and Dabo, that's unforgivable, and you're never going to give him the time of day, whatever, that's fine. That, that, to each his own. But I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm interested to see how he, how Tyler from Spartanburg, you know, handles himself uh, moving forward, you know. Um, and I think there's some hope there that, hey, he did learn a, an important lesson here. Well, hopefully we all did, right? Um, there is – when you can hide behind a made-up name uh, on, the, on social media and the Internet, then that is dangerous. But you still have some sense – you should have some sense of responsibility no matter – what or else you're just again narcissism is a way to describe all that the people who might do that we've got guys on, on our message board right so i got a guy right now and i have labeled him we, we don't label all of our call all of our text message guys but i labeled him uga turd and the reason <laughs> is is because so like normally it would come up with be 864-992-9722 but you can go in and label somebody like if i know it's you i say this is larry williams so you know i respond to him differently whatever well this guy put his uga turd because <laughs> first 300 texts have been nothing but negative and only about Clemson. And in the last week or so, the guy has actually asked like some decent questions, but I still, I'm not going to answer because now, you know, he's still the same guy. Well, eventually I'm going to come to him and go, Hey, are you done with your childish stuff? Are you done with all that? And if you can, then we can have an adult conversation. You know, uh, I'm a grown ass man. I don't have time for the childish stuff anymore. You know, when I was a child, I did, but now I'm not a child anymore. And I think we all can have that. Like, yeah, the the idea that you could be anonymous is great, but it's dangerous too, man. And and you've got to put yourself in other people's shoes. Did, did I send to you or did you send to me the screenshots of the death threats and the people calling pumps and players abortions and people mm. burning down coaches' houses and all that? I mean, that's out there. You pretend like it's not, but it's out there. And it's dangerous, Larry. And on top of that, there's just lessons to be learned of just how to communicate with people no matter what. And a very intelligent person told me one time that the, right before you're about to jump somebody, you got to realize or put yourself in their shoes like, what have they been through today? And I don't know. You don't know. You don't know what I've been through today. You know, I don't know what you've been through today. But chances are there's something in there that might have caused you to do something that I didn't like, and now I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to criticize you without knowing what your circumstances are. That's where we are. You know what? Something interesting, something that people haven't really talked much about. I think Dabo mentioned it yesterday. Most coaches as high profile as Dabo who have radio shows don't take yeah. calls. Oh, yeah. Also, or taped. What's that? They're screened. Yeah. Or, or they're taped or screened. Actually, you know, when Hatfield was here and Tommy Wesley, that's what they did. Like, you had to call on, on – Saturday, Sunday, and Monday for the Tuesday calling show, and they tape them, and then they play only the the uh, the Pollyanna, the Sunshine Pumper people. Earlier this yeah. season, on that thread, the calling show thread, people were like, "I can't believe these are the actual callers." You know, all this positivity, all this love, Dabo, and we're we're praying for you, this and that. This can't be real. You know, that surely they're screening callers. 
the you know the ones who are more negative. And I, I what I said then I said no, they do not screen calls. And honestly, the people who are calling are probably closer to being representative of the Clemson, the average Clemson fan, than the then this is no no knock on on the people I'm talking about than the people who post regularly on social media or a message board. That's just that's just reality. They, they love going to the games. It's a fun, you know, they hate it when they lose, but maybe more in line with what you said at the beginning, maybe more in line with a hobby. <laughs> um, and so people were like, there's no way they're not screening calls. I'm like, okay, well, Monday night, <laughs> Monday night was proof of that. And something I learned yesterday from Don Munson was that not only do they not screen the calls, there's no delay. Right. And so my point is in the, in the wake of that, you know, Dabo was saying yesterday, maybe I'll just, I'll stop taking calls. You know, I think it's a good reset. It's not, it's not saying that people need to, can't be critical, right? You can't, it's not saying you can't call in and say, Dabo, I, can you explain this to me? Why are we doing this? Or, or even, Hey, do you think your staff needs to be upgraded? Like, I don't think he's going to go on a 10 minute rant for that. He might prove me wrong, <laughs> but like you were just saying, there is a way to do it. And I think even Tyler probably understands that better now. You know, um, the older I get, the more I realize like what I don't know. I, I, I had this, great friend of mine who was a Sony executive. He was a high-ranking Sony executive, and he told me my most dangerous employees are the ones that don't know what they don't know. Mm. And he told that to a 23-year-old kid at the time. I was was 23. And I I didn't get it. I finally get it. Like, at 55, I now know, man, the the more I'm around, the more I experience, the more I understand that I don't know so much. And and that's not a bad thing. But it's just realizing that there's so many people so much smarter than I am and so much more experienced than I am. And what I would criticize in the past, like I said, I don't know what this going through. I don't know what's happening in their private life, their personal life. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on in that restaurant while my steak wasn't good tonight. There's a reason for it, you know? And, and I'm not sure why my supply chain hurt my rebuilding of my home or I'm delayed in this or why traffic is a certain way or my road construction. But there's reasons for all that. I criticize on the air um, about the perimeter road traffic. Well, I didn't, re- I didn't criticize. I'm sorry. Someone criticized it, and I read it on the air before the first game of the year. Next thing I know, I'm getting phone calls from 10 different people who I know who work at the university who have been in these meetings, and there's all kinds of state and coding and and personnel stuff and uh, material things and weather things and drainage things. There's a reason why that road is still delayed today. It's supposed to be done in August, (laughs) and it's November, and it's still delayed. But there's a reason for that, and despite the fact, Larry, that I have – Zero experience in any kind of civil engineering, any kind of water um, runoff stuff, any kind of concrete. I don't know anything about I've never been on a bob. I've never been on, a, on any kind of equipment like this stuff. I was telling these people how wrong they were, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, but there was, every one of those, there was a reason for all of that. And, you know, hopefully we can just learn how to talk to each other. But, but. Now, you're talking to a guy on this podcast today that, that I have called, I'm going to guess, 20 politicians and their offices on both sides of the aisle. Anytime there's a Senate confirmation hearing, I'll call both sides of the aisle and go, you know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself mm. how y'all talk to me. 
people are watching you. You're the leaders of the country. Mm. We're, you're in some high-ranking people, and you're you're condescending and embarrassing the other side. And all they're trying to do is get someone to serve the country. And Republicans and Democrats like, but but why would we? Why would we talk to each other? That's what our, that's what our leaders are talking to each other like, right? I had a guy text me the other day, Larry, uh, about the the Clemson football player talking back to the coach the other day. And the guy says, I guess the guy, the texture says. Hey, well, thank goodness. The coaches have had all the power all the time, making millions of dollars. It's time for the players to talk back. It's time for <laughs> players to have the power now. I'm like, no, man. There is there is an assumed authority respect that the, the student does not talk back to the teacher. The, the uh, civilian doesn't talk back to the policeman. You know, the the the, the the teacher didn't talk back to the principal. The coach is not you know, your the, the coach is not your RA in a dorm. Right, and even then, the RA even then. <laughs> the RA is trained yes. for what RA should be trained for, and they might be wrong. I don't care how wrong they are. You don't talk back to them that way. You're the resident. That's the resident assistant. That 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 RA is doing his or her job. So that there is a there should be an assumed respect right off the bat that you have a question. I'm not saying they're right all the time. They're not. Dabo's not right all the time. But also, Dabo's a head football coach, and he has been successful enough that there should be a little level of respect. And if there was, in the call, in the phone call, some points could have been made, and we could have got some information out of it, but we didn't. Now, to the point about coaching shows, calling shows, I agree with you. I had a caller today who's a Georgia fan saying, do we even need these anymore? And, and my thing was, you know what? Yeah, we do, because yeah. this is access. Like, no other time during the week, for one hour a week, a fan, any fan, can call up and ask any question. And and we might be able to get some connection, and there might be some flow of information there. So I do think there's a need for it. With that said, I don't care who it is. That's still the coach, and you're still the fan. So there is a should be a level of – or even that's a gentleman, and you're a gentleman. Right. Right? No matter – you might be, you you might be the lowest paid employee at the lowest part of the country, but and he might be the highest. But still, when he talks back to you too, the coach talks back. He's talking to a gentleman, and and gentlemen don't talk to each other that way. What did Sam Weiss say to the crowd, the Cincinnati crowd? We're not in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> you live in Cincinnati. <laughs> well, you talk about Larry, that guy. I, I happen to be rest in peace, by the way. Oh my word! What a genius that guy was. We—he was a treasure. We were so lucky to have him in the upstate. But what a treasure, man! Awesome. On the topic of genius, and this is the last thing because you've got to go be a father and help your wife. Um, I think that Dabo's rant on Monday night, and then his continued sort of fiery uh, ways in his Tuesday press conference. I think that was genius. You know why? Yeah. Because we've because. spent an hour and six minutes. Yep. We have not said a word <laughs> about no. about this four and four football Man. team and how four bad four. things are. They lost Larry Saturday. I hope folks stay tuned to this part of the show, this part of the internet my podcast. They lost to a bad football team Saturday. Yeah. That might be the worst team that Dabo has lost to. And, yeah, you're right. We're not even talking about that. <laughs> and, and the remaining schedule, think about it. Like, 4-8 is on the table. 
Yes. And we're not talking about that. Um, and it's, it's brilliant to be able to deflect that. Spurrier was great at that, wasn't he? Like yes. to deflect attention away from something. He was, uh, Lou Holtz did a great job of that. We're going to go in this. We're going to go in this room uh, away yep. from Ron Morris. If y'all want to come and talk to me in this room where he's not, y'all can come in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's just brilliant part of it. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it was a left wing reporter about how brilliant Donald Trump was, and he said all these other reporters were so mad at Trump because. Uh, this is during the campaign of 16. He's going, oh, man, the guy was just an idiot, and and, 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 and all my people thought this guy's a bully, and he's, he's going to be this bad guy and all stuff. And the guy said, no, this guy's a genius. He's got the salesperson. Like, he's got you covering him, talking about him. He's selling him the whole time. And so the point there was that all the distractions out there, it's, it takes a genius to distract you from what we should be. So you know who the big winner is here through all this? Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yesterday... Dan Levitard showed ESPN contacted our station. Are you serious? Tyler. Oh, yeah. Dan Levitard's people and his producer called wanting information, wanting, wanting Tyler stuff, right? And are, by the way, are you surprised that the national media seemingly is taking Dabo's side on this? Um, or, or did I perceive that wrong? Uh, no, I don't think you have perceived it wrong. Andy Staples, who is fantastic, yeah. he did a 16-minute breakdown of this jousting <laughs> And if you haven't seen it, it's spectacular. But he, and, and that's another lesson here, Mickey, is that you cannot judge, you frequently cannot make a judgment off of one piece of a conversation or a quote that somebody tweets. And yeah. a- Andy said, and I think he was like a lot of the national media folks and probably like a lot of the people here, when you first see what Dabo says, you're like, holy crap, he just blew up one of his fans. And wow, what what was he thinking? But then when you listen to the full two-plus minutes from Tyler, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this guy got what he was asking for is probably the, 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 most common, uh, the most common takeaway. But probably a little surprised, Mickey, that the national media is, it seems, um, more like – yeah, yeah, the guy had it coming to him. Well, because Clemson's four and four now, right? <laughs> so now Dabo's not the the bad guy. Now he's the Roy Bus guy again, you know. And, and I don't know if it's that. Time. I don't know if it's that. Yeah, I know. I know. I was joking, I was joking about that. Okay. You're right, though. Um, <laughs> so, but they still hate uh, Dabo. Most of them, I think. That's <laughs> my point. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, one of the misconceptions I, I heard. I, I, do, Dear friend of mine who's brilliant and is an unbelievable father, husband, businessman, uh, uh, philanthropy guy, an unbelievable guy, right? Larry Williams, right? He texted me. Oh, yeah, Larry Williams. Yeah, Larry Williams. <laughs> uh, he texted me, and he's a Clemson fan. And he said, Well, uh, I got one thing out of this. At least I now know that Dabo's got the fire back. And I texted him back, Man, I totally disagree. I do too. I do too. <laughs> Dabo didn't lose any fire. What what Tyler was right about was that there are mistakes made, and, and he's going to make mistakes because he's a human being, Dabo, that is. And he's a coach, and it's hard, and hiring people is hard, and firing people is hard, and, and getting the right mistakes. You know, in hindsight, there's a lot of evidence that he didn't have in hindsight that he's going to change and do back. And maybe, maybe he'll do great, maybe he won't. But the one thing I can tell you is, and we talked about this before, is he 
loyal? Yeah. Does that mean he's stubborn? Yeah. Does he have self-belief, uh, commitment to himself? Yeah. Does that mean he's stubborn? Yeah. Is he optimistic, um, overly optimistic at times? Does that mean he's too Pollyanna, can't see negative? Yeah. Is he, is he a good, great visionary guy that sometimes sticks to the vision? Yeah, all those. But more than anything else, he's one of the most ultra-competitive people I've ever been around. And it is I, – I never thought that ever left. Because you're losing, it's all about perception. I talk about this on my show all the time. Like when Mark Rick was winning, the perception was – I had him on the show one time. And I was like, how do you say that comment? He goes, well, if I panic, other players panic. So when Mark Rick was winning, it was like, man, he's got so much composure. <laughs> and Mark, when Mark Rick was losing, it was like, he's lost his passion. Yes. <laughs> and like when Bobby Knight – when Bobby Knight is winning, go man, he's got intensity. And when Bobby Knight was losing, it's like, oh man, he he's a wild card. He's a he's, he has no composure at all. And so the point there is like, Dabo Sweeney shows this now at four and four, and you go, well, it finally took this to get his fire back. No, I don't believe that at all. I believe he made mistakes. I believe that part of it is a little bit circumstantial, and there's been some bad luck through a lot of it. And I think he needs to make some changes into a lot of areas. Of those, I would say, Larry, um, mental toughness, physical toughness in his team, my guess is that from talking to folks inside, I would say uh, coaching changes, more experience. That's a guess because I don't know, but that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, a theory I might have. I would say more accountability. Um, I would guess would be some of those things. But through all of that, there is no doubt about his competitiveness. And the idea that if you think he's going to sit around and watch this and just take it because he's complacent, no, I don't believe that at all. I believe he's still as competitive today as he's ever been. And if you think that his persona in a post-game press conference is an accurate reflection of his persona behind closed doors, that's your mistake. No, he is is talking to parents when he talks to the media. He's talking to – future players when he talks to the media. He's talking to high school coaches. He's talking to – his message is different there. So you had Landon Walker on not too long ago, if I'm correct. Uh, former Clemson offensive lineman. Didn't you have him on? I've had, know, him, on, I've had know, him on a couple um, times. Yeah. And so he's on a weekly segment now. Um, John Height, who's our, our producer at 10 o'clock – or 9 o'clock, they were roommates. And so John told me this morning, he goes, I asked uh, Landon the other day before he comes on, like, have you ever heard Dabo get on you like that? He goes, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> More than more than that, like that would be that'd be easy through all that. Um, I, I told you this story. I think the last time that there's repeating. Like, I have a friend of mine who goes to a lot of practices, and so Dabo, to your point about the message, Dabo was asked a question about a second team offensive lineman, and I forgot who it was. And and he goes on a race about the guy. We believe in this guy. This guy's good. <laughs> we got, we got a good one here. We hit on this one. The guy says, "Man, let me tell you, I was at practice last week." And Dabo, I felt sorry for the kid because Dabo rode him all all week long. He rode this kid and ripped him up that one down the other. But the the message to the media was, oh, we believe in it. We hit on this one. This is a this is a football player. We like this a lot. He's, he's gonna be a big player for us, you know. So the message is different. And you said, and you just like you were saying, you don't know what a caller is going through or whatever. We also don't know what the head coach had gone through that day within those yeah. walls, right? We're talking. Yeah, I'm thinking it's some hard, hard, hard sermons going on uh, Sunday and Monday before that call. Before he gets called out about his salary. Before he gets, call, you know, 
So there's yeah. some raw emotion there too, uh, from from the from a truly trying season. You know, um, that's a great point. And, but I, personally, I think he could have handled it better. And had he had time, might have handled it better because he's very diplomatic himself and, and he's a very wise guy. I mean, a very wise person. I shouldn't say wise guy, but he's a, he's a wise person. So if you had to do all over again, even though he sat down and did the same thing yesterday, you know, in reflection a few weeks from now after the season's over, you know, he might feel different. Like Tyler felt differently through all that stuff. Um, but what, what with that said, too, he shouldn't have said some of the things he said, in my opinion. But like I told you, like in our world today, uh, and I've, I, I've probably done too much of this political stuff, but like, uh, you know, a part of the country gets attacked, and now you want a ceasefire? Like, no, man. If you right. attack, you have every right in the world to defend yourself. And when you defend yourself, you can't come back on the defender. And if it, and a defend himself goes scorched earth on you, then guess what? You brought that upon yourself. So Dabo Sweeney, much like the Middle East, right? You got every right in the world to defend yourself. And I thought he defended himself as players, as coaches, uh, with team Monday night. Mickey Plyler, you've got more important things to to uh, to address. But man, well, I, you're uh, you've been very generous with your time, and I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough. And um, just as a final message, we can speak kinder to each other. I'm included in that, and we can have a little understanding, a little more understanding of what people are going through every day. And this is supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to be light because life's hard, man. And uh, if we just had, hopefully Monday night, I, I commend Tyler, I commend you on that on that article. Hopefully we all learn a lot and we emerge as kinder, gentler, more understanding, more compassionate people. And remember too, like these are these are Clemson fans. You're on the same page, right? Yeah. Like this is this is your team. This ain't. Like I remember uh, Harold Coleman saying one time, "Man, I just want to get back." This is during COVID or during a political thing where he said, "I just want to get back to writing this talks back to Gamecock fans again." You know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get to where I don't like Burger anymore, you know, rather than having a dislike on for my own program, my own, my own thing. So, anyway, I always enjoy it, Larry. I always love reading you and Paul and Chris, and I'm a, I'm a loyal subscriber, and hopefully um, more, more. I know more content's coming out about this later. You're the man. Thank you, Mickey. That was wonderful. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. I always enjoy it. Man, Mickey and Larry have turned into two snowflakes. <laughs> That'll be the conclusion from some folks. I'm just joking. Really appreciate his time. Also, of course, appreciate the continued support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And, of course, most of all, thanks to every one of you for taking the time to listen. Really appreciate it. Cheers.